Hey everybody, welcome to the Daily Underswell Show. I'm Derek Sabori, I'm your host, and we are back after a couple of days. Hope you're ready for some sustainability news. My job here on this radio show, podcast, stream of consciousness is to get sustainability stories that are in the news, in the um, professional blogosphere and professional um information space, get them into your hands, into your ears, so that you are armed with information and in the know with regards to things that are happening in the sustainability world because we are on a journey. I know you're on a journey. You want to do more. You want to make decisions. You want to support brands that are doing great, and that's why you're here. That's why you're tuned in. So let's dive in and see who is doing what on the most unedited and underproduced show in the iTunes library. But um, if you like this show, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to give us a review or a rating and um, let me know if there's anything you want to hear or for me to touch on. First story of the day, though, comes to us from Sustainable Brands. This is about Campbell Soup. So are you a Campbell Soup lover? Cool thing is Campbell Soup um, apparently has tied severed ties with their Grocery Manufacturers Association over differences in purpose. It says This article says that pursuing purpose beyond profit is becoming a paramount um, topic for brands looking to shift towards more sustainable, responsible business practices and maintain a competitive edge. The proof of which is evidenced by the Campbell Soup Company's withdrawal from the Grocery Manufacturers Association. That's the GMA. They did this last week. The company will sever ties with the trade group which represents the food and beverage industry at the end of 2017. According to Campbell's CEO, Denise Morrison, the decision was, quote, driven by purpose and principles and largely stems from GMA's stance on GMO labeling. So um, GMOs are genetically modified organisms. Might be a topic that we can touch on here on the podcast, but for now, I'll leave that to you to go and do some research if you don't already know about GMOs, but it says under Morrison's guidance, Campbell's has been repositioning itself as a leading health and well-being food company as consumers like me and you, particularly millennials, okay, that's not me, are increasingly interested in where their food comes from and how it's produced, a transition which has seen product transparency take on increasingly take on an increasingly important role. Transparency is huge in the sustainability and better business space because transparency is something that a brand can do and commit to to let consumers know that they have nothing to hide. We want to know where our products were made, how they were made, who made them, were the conditions safe and healthy, did the um, the product that we're consuming come at the cost of the health or well-being of somebody else or the environment or the planet. It shouldn't. And so it looks like Campbell's is on their way to uh, making some progress. So hats off to Campbell's. Read more about this article if you want to learn more about the stance they took and why they took it. Let's see, moving on here, um, maybe away from food. Actually, let's stick with food because here's something cool. Food and sports. But um, the Philadelphia Eagles, this has been uh, reported in Environmental Leader. That's the website, environmentalleader.com. But the Philadelphia Eagles, so that's a football team for you non-football uh, fans, to, they are um, they're to manage large spikes in food waste volume with waste digesters. This article says that the Philadelphia Eagles will soon have a new way to dispose of food waste 
with the installation of a food waste digester and data analytics platform at the team's Lincoln Financial Field. The team installed a waste digester at its practice facility in September of 2016, and since then it has decomposed and thus diverted from landfill more than 9 tons of food waste. Food waste is a big topic, and especially at these big event venues, restaurants, a lot of times it's hard for places to find somebody or some place that will take their leftover food scraps. Juicing bars, restaurants, um, I've heard specific stories where they have reached out saying, hey, we have these nutrients, can you take them? And not everybody has the capability to take the daily amounts that are um, left over, the scraps and the waste that comes from some of these places. So nice work to the Philadelphia Eagles. It says that they are partnering with Waste Masters Solutions, which will work with BioHT Tech Global on developing, installing, and deploying the digester and data analytics platform. So it can process up to 2,400 pounds of material per day using a proprietary bacteria formula to break down food scraps via anaerobic digestion. So I guess there's um, two different things, anaerobic and aerobic digestion. We'll have to report back and give you the specifics on what the difference is. But then it sends them through the sewer system with no residual solids. The Eagles say this will help manage large spikes in their waste volume during important games or concerts, according to a company called Waste Dive. This is great, though. Seems like they already have um, a recycling program in place. Virtually 100% of their waste is diverted from landfills. Um, they've got a Go Green program. So this is nice to see. So check out um, the Philadelphia Eagles and their sustainability commitment. Very nice. How about this one? There's another food scrap um, uh, item in the news, but um, maybe I can't find it right now. Let's see. Let's move on. Let's move into fashion. How about this? Stella McCartney. Are you familiar, familiar with um, the, the luxury brand Stella McCartney owned by the group Caring, which is the um, parent company of the company that I worked for for many years, Volcom. They're also the parent company of a great sustainability brand called Puma. All the brands under the Caring umbrella, though, are doing amazing things under the leadership of the Caring executive and sustainability team there. But this on JustMeans.com. Um, Stella McCartney brings overconsumption to the forefront of fashion. So we're moving from food, excess food, to excess consumption. This says that companies have been creating innovative products out of waste for years. And with each advancement, the envelope is pushed further with more integrated holistic communications campaigns. However, many of these previous campaigns skirted away from the gritty aspect of waste. Now, one fashion brand is taking a non-traditional approach to creating beauty out of waste. Stella McCartney, daughter of legendary uh, musician Paul McCartney, a longtime sustainability advocate and animal rights ad um, activist, upheld her commitment to ethical fashion with a shocking look for the luxury brand's 2017 fall campaign. With 300 million tons of plastic produced every year, half of which is for single use, and 26 billion pounds of textile going into the landfills, McCartney's campaign aims to shed light on the issue of overconsumption and single-use fashion. The brand contrasted its luxury-level designs against the backdrop of a landfill site which served as the location for the entire autumn-winter 
2017 campaign shoot. And you can see these um, luxury models wearing their very fashionable items, um, the season's latest creations, laying in piles of uh, trash or shot um, against the backdrop of what looks like landfill waste. So relatively shocking um, imagery coming out of the, the luxury space. So nice work, Stella McCartney, continuing to push the boundaries. Um, also in fashion, British retailer Tesco. This is on greenbiz.com by Madeline Cuff. Tesco is a big um, company, has a few different, uh, I'm not too sure about their, their full portfolio, but it says that Tesco has promised to eliminate hazardous chemicals from its clothing supply chain in a major coup for environmental campaigners, Greenpeace. So I've reported here on the show before, Greenpeace has a commitment, a uh, campaign called the Detox Campaign. You can go learn about it at the Greenpeace Detox Campaign website. But the supermarket giant, they had um, formally joined the campaign, pledging to deliver quote-unquote toxic-free clothing under its own brand range, FNF, and release a full list of suppliers in its clothing supply chain. There's that transparency again. So the move sees Tesco join the likes of Marks and Spencer, H&M, Benetton, Levi Strauss, um, and others in committing to Greenpeace's campaign to phase out toxic chemicals that can cause harm to the natural environment and wildlife. So this is good because um, Greenpeace did a really good job of just sort of highlighting the fact that the chemicals that go in to the textile and apparel supply chain and thus come out often polluting rivers and waterways and just workers' health and well-being um, are, are really they're a big problem. And so Greenpeace really pointed the finger at some big brands and challenged those big brands to step up and make some new commitments. So here's a big brand out of the UK really committing and it says they have also committed to ensuring that its supply chain for FNF operates with equitable and planetary within equitable and planetary limits by 2020. Um, Detox, uh, the Greenpeace team said the initiative has created a new industry baseline for clothing and footwear retailers since its launch in 2011. In only six years, forerunners, they say, of the textile sector went from total denial and opacity of their supply chain to transparency and the banning of all hazardous chemicals. Um, this was from uh, Kristen Brody, project lead of the detox campaign at Greenpeace Germany. So in case you didn't know, most responsible companies, especially in the apparel space, should be operating with a strict RSL, which is a restricted substances list, or even a MRSL, which is a manufacturing restricted substances list. Having an idea of what chemicals and um, formulas go into everything and all, all of the, um, the parts and components and stages of their entire supply chain. Not all brands have that capability of having an understanding there, but those that do should have a really strict RSL and or even an MRSL in their chemicals management program. Ideally, they should be doing wastewater checks and have a wastewater management program in place, not just for the sites that they own and operate, but for all of their partners who are manufacturing their goods as well. So that's taking responsibility for all of the goods that they make all the way through the supply chain. So nice work to this clothing company, Tesco, for any of our international listeners. Um, 
still sticking within fashion, sustainable brands. I've seen this story kind of popping up around, but what's trending? New circular solutions aim to eliminate waste from kids' clothing. So this um, article says that when it comes to sustainable fashion, the contribution of children's clothing to the textile waste problem is often overlooked. You can guess why. Kids grow out of their clothing items so quickly or they burn through them. My son burns through his skate shoes, um, it seems like every month or so. But um, it says children themselves embody the fast fashion model with their rapid growth rate, etc. While hand-me-downs and secondhand clothing offer an effective way to down drive down costs and impacts, intervening at the design and production stage will be key in inducing the industry-wide shift. So two new apparel products could prove to be important catalysts for that change, says the article. Let's see, There's a, the first is a shoe company called Shoey Shoes, which presents a circular model, this idea of taking inputs, creating them into products, collecting them when they're done, and putting them back into the cycle and keeping everything in a circular cycle, very sustainable. But they have a shoe subscription service for growing feet. The program models a leasing scheme in which shoes engineered for disassembly are returned to the manufacturer once a child outgrows them. Worn parts are replaced and materials are separated for re reprocessing. While the concept isn't appealing, what it still remains hypothetical, unfortunately. The project stems from um, Leach's, who is Thomas Leach, a designer, from his um, desire to turn byproducts from the leather industry that would otherwise wind up in the landfill into valuable products. So that is Shoey Shoes. And the second one is comes from Ryan Mario Yassin, a former aeronautical engineer and graduate of the Royal College of Arts. He has designed a clothing line aimed at reducing the amount of children's um, clothing thrown away each year. It's called Petite Plie. The line is characterized by a pleated system comprised of ultra lightweight, waterproof, and breathable textiles that stretch with a child as it grows. So it's almost like an accordion look. So the problem I have here is that um, these products look a little out of outside the box. The shoes um, are okay, but these are definitely not mainstream looking items. So that's always the challenge with finding sustainable solutions that fit the current demand of the current market, right? But there, um, the article here mentions um, a concept called Cradle to Cradle. It's an amazing book if you haven't read it yet. But Cradle to Cradle is this idea that nothing should go to waste, that those inputs that we use to create products, those went in as nutrients to build something, whether they were electronics, um, building materials, fashion items. But when the end life of that product is done, and... Um, those wastes, just like in nature, when a tree falls or an animal dies, the nutrients are just that. They are nutrients that go back into the earth. They are absorbed and they are used in a meaningful way. We, our old habits, were to take those nutrients, build something, and when it's done, throw it away and let it die and never use it again. The goal now is to recapture those inputs and turn them into new valuable inputs again. That's the cradle-to-cradle method, but they've got a product design challenge, a great website, and they're doing some amazing things in the space. So maybe we'll put a, a spotlight on them at another time. Still here in the um, apparel and fashion um, news, this is from Just Means website, making cotton more sustainable, solutions from outer space, question mark. How about this? Cotton represents nearly half the fiber used to make clothes and other textiles worldwide, but the Economically valuable fiber is also a water-hungry crop 
to produce. It could take between two to 5,000 gallons of water to produce two pounds of cotton, which is about equal to a t-shirt and a pair of jeans. 2,000, I'm sorry, two to 5,000 gallons of water to produce a t-shirt and a pair of jeans. Plus, there's a heavy use of chemicals to protect the vulnerable plant from insects, weeds, and disease. How could this widely grown and useful fiber be grown more sustainably? Well, Target and the Center for the Advancement of Science in Space think answers could come from outer space. They've announced a $1 million prize for scientists and researchers who can find ways to use the space station to make cotton farming more sustainable. That sounds amazing. That sounds like something to keep an eye on. Do you have an idea for growing cotton in space? Question mark. You could win a million dollars. So check out um, that uh, that campaign. This is on through 3BL Media. So if you hashtag CSR Minute or at 3BL Media, you'll see that tweet and the link on how to um, apply for that if you're looking to develop cotton solutions on the moon, perhaps, or on the space station. Hey, remember uh, remember the election that happened in November? Well, I'm not going to get political, but um, I always did wonder. This article on Fast Company says, uh, this is where Hillary Clinton's unused election night confetti went. If you were like me, you saw all that paper dropping down and just went, oh man. But we realize that sometimes life just sort of happens and... It happens. It didn't. Uh, it says it didn't rain from the ceiling at the Javits Center in November, but what it's been repurposed into can still inspire you. So let's see. It was Still I Rise, an art exhibition built around the unused confetti from Hillary Clinton's election night party at New York City's Javits Center. This was by St. Louis-based visual artist Bunny Burson, former executive director of the President's Committee on the Arts and Humanities during the Bill Clinton administration created the piece that's housed at the Bruno David Gallery in Clayton, Missouri. Um, you can check this out. She it looks like there's a post on Hillary for Queens. This is a repost by Bunny Burson Studio, her art installation using that confetti. So um, that's good, putting things to use in an artistic manner. I like that. How about this? Biomimicry, word of the day. Are you familiar with that word? Um, biomimicry at 20. Green Biz has a, on their Two Steps Forward um, section with Joel um, McCower, who is their um, chairman and executive editor. It's an amazing website, great website, great place to get your news, greenbiz.com. But he's got a conversation with Janine Benyus, and it says, It's been two decades since the book Biomimicry, Innovation Inspired by Nature was published in May of 1997. And in the 20 years since, the author Janine Benyus has been spearheading a revolution in design thinking, getting companies, cities, and others to look at nature and natural systems for answers to questions about how to harness nature's wisdom to create products, buildings, cities, and other things that are non-toxic, closed loop, regenerative, and as she puts it, conducive to life. So biomimicry is an amazing concept because what it does has, has designers look at nature, animals, um, birds, feathers, how things fly, how things repel water, how, um, how color and light affects things. You know, think of, think of butterflies and ducks and birds and taking the properties that they have that make them so special and adaptive in nature and applying those to our design 
concepts in real life and basically mimicking the things that are happening in nature for better and smarter design. So he's got this great article here. It's an interview with her showcasing her book, Biomimicry, um, Innovation Inspired by Nature. But if you haven't heard a talk, there's plenty you can find online. Come read this article and um, learn more about um, the biomimicry concept and Janine Benyus. That's on GreenBiz. And um, how about this one? Back on the, um, sh how about shoes? Timberland has launched a new sustainable boot, speaking of anniversaries, to mark the 10th anniversary of a program that was called Earth Keepers. This was also on the Just Means um, website. But outdoor gear icon Timberland, this is this article by Antonio Pasolini, is celebrating the 10th anniversary of its original Earth Keepers six-inch boot in a very fitting fashion by launching a seasonal exclusive boot called the Eagle Bay. So when they first launched this boot, in 2007, it was a paradigm shift in the way the company approached sustainability. It incorporated materials such as 50% recycled PET, that's recycled polyester linings and laces, 34% recycled rubber outsoles, uh, I believe from recycled tires, and certified leather with silver rating by the Leather Working Group. Something important, um, leather is a very impactful raw material. It has one of the highest impact scores of all materials that are used in um, especially in uh, textiles and, and apparel and footwear but it says the new eagle bay oh but back on leather but if you are sourcing from responsible uh, more responsible sources or working within the framework and guideline that what's called the lwg or the leather working group um, offers then um, your impacts are a bit lower and a bit um, healthier and safer for workers but it says the new Eagle Bay follows in the footsteps of the Earthkeeper's original with the same silver rated leathers, 50% recycled PET linings, and 30%, 34% recycled rubber outsoles. But it's also more lightweight and the design has a more contemporary look. So these are great looking shoes. To me, this is a product where you've got great look, modern look, you wouldn't know, and it's got great sustainability features and a great sustainability um, program behind it. Quote, unquote, the boot we launched 10 years ago was a catalyst for our commitment to be earth keepers in everything we do and to integrate sustainability across all facets of our business, says Colleen Vienne, Director of Sustainability for Timberland. So nice work to Timberland and um, that product. I think that is it. Um, one of the things I like to do is, um, is put a spotlight on companies and who, it's the summertime, I'm sure you are doing some flying around, and this is off of a press release, so I actually don't, haven't dug too deep, but I was impressed by Boeing's recognition, so Boeing obviously makes a lot of, um, a lot of airplanes, but there is, um, they've, they've issued, they've got a boeing.com forward slash environment website, and they have put on here a list of accolades and acknowledgements from 2016 and 2017 um, that they have received. It says that Boeing's environmental leadership and actions have earned awards and recognitions for factory and facility operations, as well as for our products. So they've got Energy Star Partner of the Year, um, Pre-Treatment Excell Excellence Award, for their achievement in reaching 100% compliance with their wastewater discharge permit. They received the 2017 Blue Marble Award from NASA 
for Collaboration on Environmentally Responsible Aviation, the 2016 Crystal Cabin Award for Excellence in Aircraft Interior Innovation, the award for a Greener Cabin Health, Safety, and Environment category. Um, they were recognized there. The 2016 Gold Award from King County for maintaining zero industrial wastewater compliance violations at several facilities in the Puget Sound. 2016 Energy Star National Building Competition Boot Camp Award from the EPA for a competition among several buildings at their Washington site. Um, Energy Champion Award, membership in the Environmental Excellence Program, etc. Green Business Award from Utah Business Magazine. The list kind of goes on and on. So I would say that Boeing is definitely worth learning more about. Check out their boeing.com forward slash environment webpage and have a look. It's good to see when mega companies like this who may not be known for the commitments they have um, on the outside are actually doing some really pretty responsible things behind the scenes. And um, that's just from my reading from their website and from that um, post, but I thought that was worth a mention. So that's it for today. As always, if you've got something that you would like me to cover, have any questions about sustainability, um, or any suggestions for companies or people to interview, let me know. We're going to be doing some interviews here soon, so check back often. I'm at the 25-minute mark. This is over my budgeted time. Have a great day, and um, check back soon for more updates in sustainability news at the Daily Underswell.